0: Well,
1: there isn't anything better to have than a problem that's worth solving.
0: The kind of incredible physical being that these people take and go after it. 12, 14, 16 hours, you're wet, you're cold.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Crestor, a purposeful life driven by endurance. This is episode four. We've got a really fun uh, episode jam-packed for you, talking about our weeks, talking about uh, some heart rate training, going into the details of that, giving you a tip of the week, a quote of the week, talking about a really special athlete of the week and uh, a lot of stuff in the process of going through that. But uh, I'm Dan and joined... here by Pat. You want to say hi, Pat? Hi, everyone. And we'll start it out with our weekly wrap up. So, Pat, how's your week?
0: Uh, it's been solid. Um, so today we're recording on Wednesday, and uh, still doing more aerobic type training. Um, however, I'm in that higher threshold, or um, instead of going off of zone right now because I'm adapting from you know long and slow ultra running into more road running. Uh, I've been focusing on a little bit more what my zone two pace should be. Um, It's been fun, Uh, you know, kind of clipping off some 730 averages. And uh, unfortunately right now, or actually fortunately, it is uh, the heat of the summer in Virginia. So you get done with a run and you look like you just jumped in a pool. Even Uh, for like a two mile run. Is why it's even that more prudent. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even doing my warm up drills, I am already soaked, head to toe. So, uh, yeah, drinking a lot of water, trying to get my electrolytes in. Um, but yeah, I'm still just building that base of aerobic. So, I don't have any cool like hitting up the track or anything like Dan's been doing because he has a lot of variety <laughs> in his uh, training right now. But overall, it's been good. I was able to get nine and a half miles on in uh, Sunday which uh, was a little bit farther a little longer clip than I've been doing of recent. So that was uh, kind of exciting. And then uh, today was it was one of those runs where I had seven miles and uh, I kind of changed up the route a little and uh, I had a moment which I hadn't had in a while, which is, you know, you forget the miles that you're at, which is sweet because, before I knew it, I like, I was like five miles into my seven mile run and last mile I remembered was dude, like, you just mile got two. The groove. so, uh, that was probably the, yeah, just, you know, um, so overall, yeah, it's been a good week. So how nice. yourself, it then? does
1: sound like a great week. Um, dude, I've got, uh, some successes, some failures and overall just, uh, just life, man, but it was good. Um, uh, and, and there's always <laughs> yeah, lessons just, to learn from that. it. And so you got to be appreciative of those. So, so, uh, I know I talked about last week, the fact that I was dealing with some, some issues, my left hamstring, just being really tight and I'd kind of dialed, dialed things back, kind of shifted some workouts around and, uh, continue to deal with some issues with that. I, I made the executive decision just to literally cut all workouts out of Saturday and Sunday and just take just 48 hours off in a row. Um, and that dropped, I think 30, 30 some miles off my bike, uh, load for the week. And then nine miles off my run. I just had a, a one long run that uh, I'm actually making up in the morning that I'm very excited about, but, uh, yeah. yeah, but it was really, uh, really hard to do that, to just drop the ego and, and not, not do the miles. I wanted to just push through it and be like, it's just a little bit of tightness in my hamstring, but, but I know that overtraining at this point and hurt myself is going to be just damning to my, you know, race goal of November. And, uh, if I just take, take it back, uh, miss a couple of days, I'm still going to be fine for the race, but, um, I'm not going to hurt myself. Right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was a very hard you. decision to make. And I, I had a lot of, uh, arguing with myself throughout that process and be <laughs> like, ah, I should, I should at least go out for a little run right No. <laughs> nope. Take it easy get on the floor, oh, yeah. stretch, you know, yep. all that stuff. So th- that was good. Um, and then Sunday, we had a Sunday fun day, uh, went out <laughs> yeah, for a couple beers and it turned into a lot of beers. That was <laughs> so much fun. It yeah, was um, so It was a good day. Dude, that's what life's all about. It's just, uh, the people and, and having a good time. And, uh, yeah, I was, I definitely didn't do anything that I planned to do on Sunday, <laughs> but it was, it was a day off. You already ran your nine and a half miles that morning and we just had a blast. Yeah, ran um, into a
0: bunch of good people we didn't anticipate running into, and you know it was good.
1: Yep, that's cool. Yep, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, and then going into this week, so coming back into Monday of this past week, uh, once I got back, back at it, my hamstring has felt so great, and I've continued to stretch a lot, uh, be really mindful of that, and then I've just been getting after it. I've been really. Uh, putting a heavy load onto the, the swimming in this week. But then I also got uh you know, a couple of running and bike rides done already. Um up to today being Wednesday. Yeah. And then I've got a big big run in the morning and then uh nothing too crazy throughout the rest of the week. I just wanted to have a light, successful week getting back after it. Um as I nurse this hamstring back. But but yeah, life's pretty good. Um I don't think there's too much more to uh, to kind of go through there. Um, again, we don't we do want to thank the uh, sponsors and followers, everybody who's who's basically helping us uh, kind of keep up the excitement uh, with this podcast and giving us the feedback. We've got some really great feedback, some things we can improve upon. Thank you guys for for giving that input, and we are hopefully you're seeing those changes happen uh, throughout this process. All right. We have a cool topic of the week, heart rate training. Now, I know oh, we've yeah. kind of Easter egged this a little <laughs> bit the last couple of <laughs> weeks saying that we wanted to talk about this, but it, it's finally here. This is something that is extremely near and dear to my heart. And, uh, and I think I can say the same for
0: Patty. Yeah.
1: You excited to talk about heart rate training Patty?
0: I am. Yeah. And I, I'm, uh, I think it would be interesting to kind of see our takes on it, which, our individual takes and kind of the, maybe a little bit of differences in regards to, you know, the zone training for triathlon and then kind of the zone training for ultra marathons. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked. Really good.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so what exactly is heart rate training? Like what, what are some of the basics uh, that you think of when you think of heart rate training, Pat?
0: Uh, so immediately I think of the eighty twenty method, Um, which is if you take the volume or maybe the duration in which you are exercising that week, uh, 80% of it should be at a lower zone. Um, so a little bit more moderate, slower pace. Uh, you should be able to talk during that exercise. Um, and then that 20% of the duration is going to be a higher tempo. Um, so you're breathing pretty hard. If not, uh, you know, feel like you're, you're going all out. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's a little brief yeah. summary.
1: That's a that's a really powerful summary and uh and I think there's actually been a lot of research done into that eighty twenty rule and uh while it might differ depending on who you talk to by maybe a five percent or so, it's actually yeah. pretty tight around that eighty twenty number. Um and that's uh that's pretty cool. But yeah, for anybody who's not familiar with these zones that we're talking about, so there's five zones. Zone one all the way up to zone five, zone one being Um, low heart rate zone five being the final band percentage of the heart rate leading up to your max maximum heart rate. Now there's, there's the, the gouge number that you can, that you can use, which is your two twenty minus your age. That'll just give you kind of a rough number that ballpark the average person uh, max heart rate should be around there. Um, However, it, it varies quite a bit depending on your fitness level. Um, so 220 minus your age might not give you your max heart rate uh, you know, depending on your background and fitness level and, uh, and the shape you're in. But uh, there's three different ways these zones are calculated. So here you get the percentages for the zone one through the zone five, and it it kind of depends on mostly mostly it's you know how easily can you get the data to to build these zones and, and it'll kind of walk through it. So the first one is percent of your max heart rate each zone is, is based off of those percentage uh, bands and your max heart rate is probably the easiest to do. First off, you could just use the two twenty minus your age and just plug that into, um, you know, your Garmin or whatever. Uh, even if you're not using a fitness watch, maybe you just have a, um, a heart rate band that's tied to a heart rate monitor. You could still do that and just write your zones down and know what they are. Um, So it's very easy to do but it's also probably the least accurate of the three methods Um, the next one is the percent of your heart rate reserve so your heart rate reserve is the difference between your max heart rate and your resting heart rate so again this is not a difficult number to find because all you have to do for your resting heart rate is you know when you wake up in the morning you're relaxed laying in bed before you get out of bed just take your pulse it's very easy for patty and i because we've got these fancy watches and uh we both have whoops that, uh, you know, are constantly monitoring our, our heart rate and stuff. But uh, <laughs> but you can do that just by, you know, putting your fingers to your, you know, was that, your carotid artery? Is that yeah. the artery that goes through your neck there? Uh, basically just uh, don't use your thumb because that, that, I've always heard that's bad to, uh, yeah, there's you know, try and get it. your thumb because you also have your pulse in your thumb so it can be inaccurate. Yeah. But anyway, you take your max heart rate, you subtract your resting heart rate. That's your heart rate reserve, and you, all you have to do is plug that number in, and you can calculate your uh, your zones based off your heart rate reserve. And then finally, if you want to do the most accurate, the percent of your lactate threshold, it's super accurate, but it's extremely hard to get a true measurement of, and um, it's even hard to get a, a good guess at unless you have a lot of data. So if you're out, if you've got you know some some serious like all out 5K times, 10K times, half marathon times, or whatever, you'll likely be able to get a good number to estimate this. However, you know a true lactate threshold um, measurement is going to be where they're actually like taking blood in the middle of these hard efforts to see your lactate building yeah. up. It's yeah, really intrusive, I, really tough.
0: I guess with that, Dan, like, can someone like you and I, you know, access some type of facility that is able to give us that?
1: So we we can there are depending on you know where we are we're lucky enough to be close to ODU that has um, some testing that they do through their um physiology department I guess I'm not yeah, exactly sure yeah. but they do VO2 testing and lactate threshold testing yeah. which I I've, I've I've been very interested in I know you have too Patty Absolutely um uh, but but neither of us have done it quite yet Dude that'd yeah. be really cool to do it and then uh bring it back to the listeners and talk I about think it. that's a great idea. I think I think we owe we owe our listeners that at some point. Yeah, for sure. up here.
0: Yeah, cool. But I I mean I think it would be um, if it's something that interests you, if there's a local college in your area, <clears throat> maybe reach out to the athletic you know department and see if there is some type of testing that um, either the athletes utilize or you know one of the departments themselves are doing looking for data testers so cuz they want a ride, wide range of athletes you know so um, yeah. just yeah you know, it's my two cents on the, the for matter. sure and and yeah. I
1: guess it's important we talk about what the lactate threshold is um, cuz we didn't mention that at all the lactate threshold <laughs> is basically the the heart rate where once you hit that point or once you go, go above that point your body is accumulating lactic acid faster than it can flush it out, and yeah. and so basically you're you're hitting your point. I think the the layman's terms is that you're going at a pace that is no, no longer sustainable past an hour. Is that correct?
0: Uh, i would have to do some fact-checking. Okay, actually. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty pretty sure that's correct, but yeah.
1: um, but the more correct one is that you're accumulating uh, lactic acid uh, faster than you flush it out. <laughs> you can rely on that one. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But, uh, but yeah, so three different ways to measure your, your, your heart rate zones. And once you, you figure out what those are, then you can basically, you go for a run. And, uh, especially if you have a smartwatch, you can dial in the different zones or a fitness watch, you can dial in the zones. And then when you're running, you know exactly what zone you're in. Uh, and that's a great way to go about training, which we can talk more about. So what got you into kind of paying attention to your heart rate, Pat? That was never a thing with soccer, right?
0: No, not at all. I just, uh, what I paid attention to was my teammate next to me and making sure they didn't you know, get in front of me <laughs> and staying with the pack. Sure. Uh, but it was my first, um, my f- first true training plan for um, what was Santa Rosa Marathon in 2015. I ran it. Yeah, so uh, my brother kind of just gave me his training plan, which – I think it was a Horton model. And uh, I first actually set all, set paces that like I took the, I went and did a half marathon when I was um, in college. And I took that time, multiplied it times two and added 10 minutes to it. Cause that's like a quick little equation for your um, estimated marathon. And then based off of that, i kind of used horton's training plan and you know like you're long and slow at a minute and a half don't quote me on that and uh that (laughs) equated to a lower zone of a heart rate uh so i was actually kind of a little bit oblivious to more of the heart rate because i was i just would focus on a zone um but sometimes, you know, not knowing is better than knowing. But now I understand the zone. <laughs> so after, um, after that, I would say when I really started to dive into my heart rate is when I got into ultra, um, cause I knew long and slow and keeping it slow was what was, uh, prudent to your results. So, uh. Sure. I would try and keep it like 135. And at first I was very tough because, uh, taking a little bit of my pride and, you know, put it into the side, I had to walk. Um, and cause you know, I mean, you're going out there and you're doing 20 to 30 miles and climbing. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I guess the, the short answer, which I've already given you the long answer would be when I started ultras i uh, was more focused on the heart rate aspect of it yeah yeah i think
1: i think i stumbled into it um very unintentionally with when i finished ironman florida i i had two things that were gated behind ironman florida in my mind i i said i couldn't get i couldn't get a smartwatch until i finished the race and i couldn't get wow um, my own bike i was borrowing uh my neighbor actually um it was, it was a woman's bike, uh, a giant. It was actually a very nice bike, but it was uh, a woman's bike that I rode for uh, Ironman Florida. I and didn't know afterwards, that. <laughs> yeah, and I'd saved up money, and I bought uh, a Garmin 910, I think it was back then, back yeah. in 2012. Yeah. I bought a 910, and then I got um, my Trek Speed con- Concept uh, time trial bike, um, so I treated myself there. And with the Garmin, I finally had the, the option to, to monitor heart rate. Mm-hmm. And I had read about that and, you know, talked to people at triathlons because at that point I'd done plenty of triathlons. I'd seen people wearing their heart rate monitors and had the conversations, but, uh, that was really my first time I got into it. And Garmin had, and still has these, these really fantastic, uh, training plans depending on your fitness level. And so I just kind of grabbed the, I think the middle of the road, the intermediate, um, uh, one because i was still in pretty good shape post you know iron man and uh and i just i just kind of took it on its face value and it just used all my metrics um uh, that i'd already done you know i i had a lot of stuff for it to it actually i think had my lactate threshold um estimated based off of um sometimes i i was able to enter for like the Ironman man and a couple of shorter triathlons and sure enough, I found out that I loved it. And the big reason is is that when you run a heart rate program, you're not running for a distance. You don't say, hey, I've got a five-mile run tomorrow. You, you say, I've got a 40-minute run. I've got yeah. a 40-minute run in zone two. Now, let's pause there and talk about that real quick. So zone two is, is the bread and butter, like the place you want to be for that 80% the number that Patty talked about. So 80% of your time you want to spend in zone two. And then the other 20% is generally between zone four and five with a little bit in, in zone three, but zone two is, is basically where your body is most efficient. Your heart is most efficient and you burn fat in that zone. And so yeah. you you basically, and fat is a very efficient fuel to burn. And so you basically have to teach your body to, to burn fat. So it's very good for weight loss. Uh, but it's also very good for endurance athletes who want to go long distances on economic fuel flow, <laughs> right? And so, oh, for sure. Uh, so like just cruising at eighty percent, eighty percent of your miles per week at a, a zone two pace. Um, it's cool because you're you're in this band, which for me is about uh, mid one forties to mid to high one fifties in the heart rate. Um, that's my zone two. And it differs pretty wildly for everybody depending on their max heart rate and their resting heart rate. Um, but for me, just cruising at that um, puts me maybe at a a 630 pace for my first mile and then maybe a, a nine minute pace for my last mile if it's really <laughs> hot outside. We'll talk about that more in a second. Right. Um or maybe if it's if it's not hot outside, then it's a very consistent, you know, uh, you know, 715 slowing down at five seconds per mile. But when I started this this program in college, I basically I fell in love with the, the concept that I wasn't worried about my pace because I was so egocentric about, you know, I can't go any slower than the 7.30 or I'm a slow runner, you know? Yeah. And I had such an unhealthy mentality. And when I started running, it, the default screen didn't even have my pace on it. And so it just said, you know, whether or not I was in zone two or where I was, if I was about to fall out of zone two or go too high, And it would say, you've got 20, 22 minutes left in your, in your run or whatever. And I would just, just kind of cruise. And it totally disconnected me from, from the ego aspect of of how fast am I running? Am I, you know, going to be embarrassed about this? And then when I finished the run, then it'd be like, I ran an 830 pace and I did however many miles. And I was like, oh, well, there's no way I would have allowed myself to go that slow, but that's what my body needed to, to be in this very economic range. Right.
0: Yeah, for and, sure.
1: And it changed. It totally changed the the way I thought about running because I always thought, you know, like, oh, I've I've done a mile. I still have four miles left for this five mile run, and I've done two, three miles. I was constantly thinking about the mileage. And when I got to this where it's like, whatever, forty minutes. I'm out here for forty minutes. It doesn't matter how far I run. I'm just sticking to my zone. What happens happens. And to me, that like turned it into a form of meditation. And yeah. it it kind of doubled my enjoyment of of my runs yeah
0: yeah with that was there anything you did with your like data screens on your garmin watch
1: was there anything that i have done since
0: or like would would you not have your mileage showing or your clip showing you would just have like your heart rate on your watch displayed
1: yeah it was literally heart rate and time remaining in my total run okay okay so i i it would like send all my workouts to my watch and then i'd i'd go out you know for my run and i'd select do workout and then it, it would have a timer taking down for 40 minutes and it'd be a 40 minute run in zone two and then it oh. would show your heart rate and like it had a little like indicator to show you if you're like too too low on your heart rate or or too high or whatever and that the other cool thing about this is that if you start overtraining or if or if you're sick or anything like that your heart rate you're basically you're getting your info straight from the source from your heart, right? So instead of going off your perceived effort and you're pushing too hard and you you feel like something's wrong, but you don't know what's up. If your heart rate starts going high, then you have to slow down. And guess what? That's going to keep you from overtraining. It's going to put less miles on your legs if you're going slower for the same amount of time period, the same time period. Um, And uh, it's going to kind of auto-regulate so you don't overtrain as easily, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I probably should do that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's still some times that I cheat, but i use that uh i use heart rate training almost entirely um for my running and that's something else we should talk about it's very different your zones are incredibly different between the different sports uh um, yeah. you know running biking swimming, obviously the big triathlon ones um but but yeah it's it's pretty drastically different and actually i don't use i use i use power on the bike. So go off a of wattage, um, and in the swim, I I'm very old school and I just go off a perceived effort in the pool. Um, I do track with the data on my watch. I'll always record my swim workouts and uh, give them kind of a cursory glance. I was looking at them today while we were chatting at, at in the office at work. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but now I, I really only do the heart rate thing, uh, for running. But, but if you do look at heart rate zones on the bike, for example, if you were if you were in the 150s on the bike which the low 150s would be zone 2 for me if i'm in the the low 150s while i'm on the bike i i'm probably working way too hard and that's just yeah. the way it works with uh, how your heart rate spikes biking versus running
0: that's interesting yeah like only having done a single triathlon i'm i'm very green in regards to wh- why that is the case my thought was because the bike kind of helps you know your upper body's not working. Yeah. Yeah, because cause
1: your core is engaged, your arms are engaged when you're running, and it's maybe not quite the same on the bike. Um, so your muscles can be working much harder, but it's hard to get your heart rate spiking. Like you really have to be kind of out of the saddle climbing on the bike to do the, the same heart rate.
0: Yeah.
1: And at that point, your legs are screaming.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're going to make sure you don't pass up those water stations.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you
0: drop your water bottle.
1: Yep. And it's <laughs> only in the recent years that um, we've been able to track swimming heart rate because the uh, fidelity of the sensors weren't able to pick up your heart rate um, in the pool, which still, it's very, very hard to have a chest, chest monitor versus um, a wrist monitor. It's hard to have a chest monitor in the pool and not fall off, at least for a guy who's just wearing uh, swim trunks. Yeah. Maybe for a female who's got like a one-piece on it would Mm -hmm. stay on under the, underneath the one piece. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, you want to talk about, uh, the, how precise each one is between the wrist and the chest strap. I think that's a common question.
0: Yeah. Um, personally, in my experience, the chest strap has always been more accurate. Um, and from what I've read and, you know, kind of just personally experienced as well, the Wrist-based straps, they do a good job in the lower zones. Um, But when you're getting into the zone 4 and zone 5, there tends to be a discrepancy uh, between the chest straps. Um, What I have seen is the wrist straps actually read lower than the the, uh, chest straps when you're getting up to zone 4 and zone 5, which could actually be pretty detrimental um, because, you know, you don't think you're going as hard and but then you're like, you know, sucking wind and you're like, hold on, my heart rates telling me this, but my mind is telling me something different. Um, so when you are getting to the heart rate type training, I am a big proponent of utilizing the chest straps. Um, but
1: you actually sold me on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And when, but when you're getting on, when you're doing, you know, just zone two training, um, the The watch itself is, it is, um, it's still valuable, but yeah. Uh, if you know, if you want to really dig into Louise and you know, kind of nerd on it, I would get a chest strap, um, which you can find them on Amazon, any type of online store. Um, yeah, and it creates a really cool uh, tan line as well, which is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Let people know that you're a runner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should stress that we this is all this is all um, just our experience, um, and we haven't done any research into this. So uh, take that for what it's worth, as far as uh, especially the the wrist uh, versus chest strap stuff. But but it makes sense, right? Like especially if you, let's say you've got some issue with your circulation, right? Then yeah. uh, if your blood's not getting to your you know wrist quite as efficiently um, for whatever reason. Maybe your arms in a weird spot. Uh, maybe you have a weird gait uh, where your arms are um, really restricted. When Absolutely. you're running, you're going to have you're going to have uh, you know varied readings on your wrist versus your like straight at the source of your heart, right?
0: Yeah, and um, something additional to add on. Uh, my oldest brother kind of worked in a sports science startup over in um, San Francisco for a little bit, and one thing that he said to me is. If, if a device is inaccurate, but it's consistent with its inaccuracy, you're actually seeing the change. So what I'm trying to say is if the wrist strap is maybe reading five beats per minute slower, long as you're still using that single device, as you're running and, say, it's showing 135, you're going to see your pace is still going like getting um slower but your heart rate's still gonna be reading one thirty five and that one thirty five is is accurate. Um it just maybe it's actually one forty the whole time. Um if that makes sense it's, if you want it's wanna, consistent
1: you know, with itself it might not be accurate for your actual heart rate but yeah at least it's yeah consistent.
0: So wanna throw yeah. that out there. That makes sense. Sorry, I, hope yeah, I did that justice, Jim. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, when we were doing a track workout, probably a month ago now, maybe six weeks ago, um, you convinced me because I remember I was I was having trouble getting into zone four. Um, I was trying to get up into like the 170s my heart rate, and we were going like five forty pace, yeah. you know, around the track, and I was like. My legs were hurting and I couldn't get my heart rate up and you were like, you should get a chest strap
0: because your
1: heart rate probably is a little higher than it is. And And has it worked? I think so. And I think it's hard to say for, for positive, but, but yeah, I I definitely feel like it's been more accurate. Yeah. I've done a few comparisons where I'll turn the heart rate up. Like I'll, I'll switch the input to my watch and, um, Mm -hmm. it's varied a little bit and it seems to vary more at higher, higher heart rates. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Um, Something I have done is I'll have my whoop on, and I'll also have my Garmin with my chest strap. So Mm. my whoop is still actually pulling the heart rate just from itself. It's independent of what heart rate is being recorded from my Garmin, which is pulling from the chest strap. And I am seeing a Delta there, and the Delta is larger as I get closer into my Zone 4 and Zone Um, 5. Yeah, so... Yeah, cause I don't know if you've done that yet, but...
1: No, no, but but yeah, yeah. same thing. Wrist-based, the WHOOP um, has good sensors, but if it's taking it from a place down the stream, it's better to go to the, the fountainhead, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> cool. I think that was a good kind of broad strokes uh, covering of heart rate training. It's a very in-depth uh, topic, but please, if you guys have any questions, we'd love to... To kind of answer any specific stuff that y'all have if you want to send that in um, tip of the week i love this tip of the week patty you want to tell us about it
0: yeah um so this kind of reminds me of a childhood but if you're going to leave uh snacks out in the kitchen um leave healthy snacks out uh and yeah it's that simple so for myself what i started to do um is i would just leave like cashews on my little countertop uh, and then of course, like fruit in the tray, and instead of having like a bag of chips sitting you know, on the, uh, the countertop. And then I'll just kind of dive into those. Dude, and, anybody uh, will. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, like when something's in front of you, you're going to start picking at it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's tip of week, pretty, you know, short and sweet, but it, the benefits are long lasting yeah. and you know, will lead to better results in the end
1: yeah and it turns out if you kind of train your taste buds for that, have you ever noticed when you're you're eating eating well? I remember it was probably back in college or maybe flight school when i I started to actually get really conscious about what I was eating and uh, yeah. and I remember thinking the apples apples were like a treat to eat because they were nice and sweet' because I'd been oh, eating yeah. so well nice and I, crisp Ooh. yeah, and then I remember eating like a snickers bar or like a Reese's or something like that, and of course it was it was great. And then I went back to eat an apple like later that day and I was like, ah, oh, this isn't that good. It's not that sweet because yeah. oh, I, yeah. I just like spoiled myself with all this like processed sugar, right? Yeah. So yeah, if yeah. you just kind of like stay on the, the healthier side, then it's like the stuff's actually tasty.
0: Yeah, it's just uh, the Maybe other. That's a lame selling point. but Some people kind of call it junk food, <laughs> which I do. Yeah, But uh, yeah, it will certainly mask the, the natural flavor of what comes from the ground. So Yeah. Yeah
1: true hey, cool uh, you also came up with this quote of the week which i think is uh is pretty special you want to talk us through that
0: yeah so uh the quote of the week actually came from another podcast i was listening to a friend of mine recommended uh talk about mr rogers and kind of his upbringing and his you know who he was as a person and uh how much i
1: feel like you, you vibe with mr rogers in a big way Oh, uh, like he was great. I wish I was
0: like, oh, I wish I was, you know, I could have watched him live. But, uh, <laughs> so he pulled this from the little prince and the quote goes, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Um, so kind of bringing that to running, uh, and I, it was actually kind of hit me today, honestly, of, When you pass someone on a run and you say good morning, um, I'm from a small town, so, you know, you'd pass by someone in a truck and they'd wave to you and sometimes you don't know who they are. But when you pass by someone um, running in the morning and you say good morning, majority of the time someone says good morning back. Um, But, you know, sometimes they may not say good morning back. Um, And early on, I would have this, like, natural reaction of, like, uh sorry. Or, you know, I felt like they're <laughs> yeah, kind of Yeah, sorry for wasting your time. <laughs> yeah, but uh you know, as I've grown, I've, you know, if I do have an initial reaction, I tell myself, "Hey, you don't know what's going on in that person's that life, you know." Um but when you do, you know, say hi to someone in that morning, there's something inside them that biologically you know, something's releasing that you might not see with your five senses of, you know, it probably picked them up a little. Uh, but, um, yeah. So when I think of that, you know, what is essential is invisible to the eye. A lot of stuff's internal that, you know, we're very good with masking, but, uh, yeah, you know, say hi to people when you're, you're running, it'll pick them up. You don't know where they are in their life, but, uh, you know, just kind of it makes me feel good internally when I say, um, good morning to people when I'm running. So yeah, that's, uh, what I pull from that quote when it comes to you know, endurance sports, there's obviously more, uh, relations to other aspects of life, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So. I've, I've always kind of thought about it from, uh, nerd alert, but, uh, like <laughs> a, a boy scout perspective. Did you ever yeah. do boy
0: scouts, Patty? Uh, no, I didn't. living in no. Matthews. So you're pretty much a boy uh, scout. You're I'm out meeting girls and stuff. Yeah, I get it. No, no, I was working. <laughs> I was playing soccer.
1: So there, there's this this um, this mentality, and and uh, maybe it's it's a motto or, or something more that I'm just forgetting. But um, but basically the, the concept that um, you're out camping places a lot of times, right? Uh, yeah. You got to these different campsites or backpacking, and the idea is that um, you want to leave leave everywhere you go better than you found it. Yep. And usually that that related to, uh, litter and, and making sure you weren't leaving wrappers and, and stuff. And, and not only that, but you wanted to, to kind of pick up stuff that you, you came across and, uh, and preserve the nature and, in the place that, uh, that you were enjoying. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and I've always kind of thought about that when I'm running, you can do that in an emotional sense too, when you're, uh, when you're out there. And you say, say good morning to somebody like, you know, maybe there's the off chance that you just ruin somebody's day by, by trying to talk to them when they're out <laughs> <laughs> on their stroll or whatever, but it's pretty unlikely. It's more likely that you brighten their day somehow by, yeah. by saying good morning with your, your huge smile that you always sport when you're out, out running. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about that, uh, after the last time we ran together, cause you were just like this bright shining sun of happiness when you're out running. Yeah, <laughs> and it it was like this dude is this he's making my day, and I can tell he's making these people's day. <laughs> uh, you're too kind. <laughs> it's just man. a cool way to go about go about life. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, we that got a really much, cool. Well,
0: <laughs> you said that a lot <laughs> better than I did. <laughs> I said your interpretation <laughs> of the quote was much better than me. So,
1: no, dude, yeah. I think they were two two different uh, equally valuable interpretations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And thank you for finding that quote. That was beautiful. Um, athlete of the week. We have a cool athlete of the week, guys. Um, has some military relation to uh, the Navy. Uh, David Goggins, Navy SEAL. Um, a lot of people maybe have heard about him. He He's basically a, a Navy SEAL who turned into kind of like the face of the the SEALs as a recruiter and got it heavily into the ultra community. So, I had the pleasure of reading his his book, which is called uh, Can't Hurt Me, probably about a year ago, and uh, it talks about his growing up, his childhood, talks about his uh, his time with the SEALs, which is always kind of a fascinating thing to read about, but then the big thing that uh, I really enjoyed was going through his endurance journey and how everybody's journey is so unique into the endurance world, it's fascinating. Um, but to kind of just give a broad strokes, uh, idea of who David Goggins is, um, uh, he had a very tough childhood. He details that, uh, quite a bit in the, in his book, but, um, I won't go too much into that, but, but suffice to say it was, it was a very, uh, challenging way to grow up. He then enlisted in the air force briefly before being discharged. Um, basically had some medical complications and, uh, and chose to, to, to get out. And then he kind of went into this deep spiral in his life, where he didn't have any have any purpose. He was going through like personal crisis um, with his uh, his you know young marriage, and then he ended up gaining a significant amount of weight, and was just uh, eating himself to an early grave, is the way I think he described it in the book. And and then one day saw a commercial for the Navy SEALs and basically just the light bulb turned on and he was like i don't care what's going to take i'm just i'm going to be a navy seal and so sure enough he made that happen um, and that's a really cool process to read about if you're interested in that he was able to complete buds after three attempts as as most people know so buds is the uh i believe basic underwater demolition uh slash seal training is what bud stands for and as as most people know that's uh the really kind of pinnacle of uh, physical fitness and uh, mental resiliency trying to um, get through that training and, and earn your trident uh, your your seal emblem he was able to complete that on his third attempt and oftentimes it does take multiple attempts um, and then and then he went out to seal team 5 um, in 2005 there was a helicopter crash during um, the mission. As some people might have read in the the book Lone Survivor, uh, the story of Marcus Luttrell and and, uh, the Navy SEALs who uh, fought so valiantly. And then during their rescue, there was uh, um, an accident with the, uh, or I I believe, uh, enemy fire that that took down the the helicopters that were coming in to to rescue those guys. Basically, large loss of SEAL life. Um, David Goggins, right after that, basically was like, what can I do to help? The families of these of these brothers who, who who passed in the line of duty, and he he found out about the uh, the college scholarships and educational counseling that were provided by the the Special Operations Foundation, um, and how you could you could basically raise money for that through yeah. these endurance events. Yeah. How cool is that, right? Like, oh, it's awesome. taking I love it. his physical fitness and and using it to better the lives of these other people.
0: Yeah.
1: So. So he looked at, you know, what's this? What's this? You know, super impressive race I can do um, to raise a bunch of money, so people will be like, "That's really cool." I don't think you could do it. I'll give you like a dollar for every mile you run, or I'll give you five dollars for every mile you run. So he found Badwater. <laughs> oh which, yeah,
0: yeah. Which I uh, have a little story with that.
1: Yeah. Did we talk about that a couple episodes ago? I can't remember.
0: We didn't. But on um, the bucket list. So. Badwater typically, right. You have to, you know, have a qualifier, um, and some yep. type of longer run, a uh, hundred mile or so, and David, while he was on his journey, uh, reached out to the RD, meaning race director of Badwater and the RDS, you know, he said, Hey, I need you to get a hundred mile qualification race in your belt. So, uh, he signed up for a San Diego, um, one day, so a 24 hour format. And, uh, a friend of mine actually saw him at that event and, uh, he just remembers seeing this large figure. He had a camping chair, water and saltine crackers. And, uh, <laughs> the guy was just getting it. And, uh, so he ends up finishing 101 miles in just over 19 hours. And you know, he's <laughs> the, the RD said hundred miles and he did it. Well, I think this is a, you know, kind of a beautiful example of, you know, ultra. <laughs> he sends an email to the RD or he calls him. I can't remember the exact way in which he contacted him. And he goes, sir, uh, complete over a hundred miles in less than, uh, the, the 24 hours actually, uh, did it 19 hours and such and such minutes. Um, so, uh, hoping to get into bad water and he goes, Mr. Goggins, it was a 24 hour race. <laughs> and I just thought yep. that was, I thought that was great. Um, but, basically pointed uh,
1: out that, that I don't care that you ran hundred miles. Why'd you stop five hours early?
0: <laughs> yeah. Which is you could have gone awesome. for another
1: five hours. What's wrong with you?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. It's so legit, but, um, no, sorry. I just had to throw that out there.
1: Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. But absolutely it, amazing. he
0: gets into bad water and he doesn't only just finish it. He places, I think, fifth overall. So, that's right. Yeah. So, back to you again. Yeah. In
1: 135 mile, uh, Badwire is 135 miles through Death Valley. Not to mention, um, you know, you've got the heat and the elevation that's going against you. So, the elevation, I think you you basically start at, you know, sea level below and then go all sea, the way up to, I below think, sea below level, sea level. level. Yeah. Yeah. And you go up to uh, 80. Eighty-three hundred feet, I believe it is. Um, it's up there. Of course, you're, of course, you're you're not just strictly climbing. So there's uh, there's more gain than that. And uh, one of the other crazy things about that race is that the um, the asphalt it's so hot during this <laughs> race that the the asphalt will melt your shoes if you don't. Yeah. Well, they'll melt your shoes regardless, but you have to run on the white line, exactly on the white line on the edge of the road, and it'll melt your oh, shoes yeah. slower. And then you you have a crew that basically follows you around, and then They'll give you your replacement shoes when your shoes start melting. And then one thing that people like to do is they'll have what they call coffins, which are these huge ice coolers. Oh, this is gnarly. It's so gnarly. And you, they'll literally just have these ice coolers that are as big as you can get so that you can climb into the cooler of ice to cool up your body temperature like every however many miles for 135 miles. And, yeah, he did just entered it for the first time and uh, got fifth place overall. It's wild, absolutely yeah. wild. That
0: is awesome.
1: So, then three months later, as we talked, we did talk about him on the bucket list, uh, you know, discussion, a few episodes ago. He he uh, entered the Ultraman Ultraman World Championships. That's that uh, um, three day event that covers 320 miles. It culminates in the the double marathon on day three. That I, I said is on my bucket list. He finished that three months after Badwater, bad and he plays second. <laughs> he plays second overall in the <laughs> Ultraman, which is like—it's <laughs> remarkable that he even got invited after having just just done like you know his first couple ultras. And then in the years that followed, he went on to complete um, 16, 16 other ultras, uh, set the record in the forty eight hour national championships. So forty eight hours, see how long you can run. He set the record he increased the record from 183 miles to 100, uh, 203.5 so he pushed yeah. the record up by 20 miles.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, it and I believe he also has records for like the most pull-ups in a certain duration. Um Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah I think I, that I was
1: mean, tied into his seal recruitment tours.
0: This is just one of the, one he he the type that he gets his mind towards something and he goes a hundred percent in and just all out and uh yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's, it's yeah, it's beautiful, it's badass. Yeah. It's 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 inspiring and uh you know, it'll certainly get you off the couch. He can at times yeah. be a bit uh, you know, straightforward with a little yeah. bit of sailor talking. But he, uh, and yeah. he
1: he also He ruffled some feathers in the seal community because his he's such a good go getter that um, basically he he always wanted to train as if he was at Buds like going through like hell week and and then when he tried to to enforce that within like his seal units they were like dude we graduated like we're on easy street now and he was like we're never done yeah (laughs) he was always wanting to get wet and sandy and like like. Run around with the logs on his shoulders. And <laughs> so he had this. He has this rule um, that he talks about extensively in uh, "Can't Hurt Me," uh, his book. It's called the forty percent rule. And he believes that that most of us as humans only tap into forty percent of our capabilities, and he's kind of adamant about proving that through his physical endeavors. And I think he is a pretty uh, salient point that he delivers through through his lifestyle yeah that's david Mm -hmm. goggins navy seal ultra athlete and author check out his book can't hurt me if uh if you're interested it's a great great read and we have any save rounds patty
0: Uh, nothing comes to mind today
1: cool Uh i think we we kind of crushed what what we uh, brought to the table today hopefully we did a halfway decent job explaining for the crew did we have fun?
0: Dude, I had a blast. Um, I think each episode I get more and more stoked just to, you know, hit record and uh, see what comes of it, you know. It, it, it's yeah. uh, it's cool. So, yeah, I had a good yeah. day. How about yourself? Did you have fun?
1: Oh, yeah. It brings me so much joy to think about some of this stuff. And, and I know some things we talk about is, is more interesting to some people, less interesting to others. But um, just to think about, you know, bringing some enjoyment to people that, that truly brings joy to me. Um, uh, so yeah, please let us know if you've got any, uh, any questions, anything, clarifications about, uh, stuff we're talking about. Um, we would love any of your feedback. You can send that into Crest podcast at gmail.com and we will, uh, get you an answer, incorporate your changes or what have you as soon as possible. We truly appreciate your support. And with that, goodbye and good night.